Praise God. What a great night to be in the house of the Lord. Our children are already dismissed. Our young people are going to slip out. And while they're doing that, if you have your Bibles handy, why don't you get them? We're going to go back to the book of Philippians tonight, chapter 4. Philippians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to direct our attention to verse number 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Remind you again, I think it's already been announced, but Sunday morning, one service. Look forward to being here with you and a great Sunday morning service before your Christmas holiday. And I uh, hope that you have a blessed, blessed time. I hope I can help somebody tonight. I know it has helped me today. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, he said, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's just one awesome passage of Scripture. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The songwriter said, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. The most popular Christmas songs that have ever been written go in this order. Silent Night, White Christmas, Jingle Bells, The Christmas Song, Winter Wonderland, Santa Claus is coming to town. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Joy to the world. I'll be home for Christmas. Let it snow. Let it snow. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Oh, holy night. Silver bells. Blue Christmas. How in the world did that slip in? All those happy tunes. And yet it made Elvis millions. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. And I want to reiterate to you tonight that blue is more than just a color for many people this time of year. It's a mindset. It's an emotional struggle that they go through. And it's not just this time of the year, but it seems to be magnified now. I want to just speak to you from a very simple subject tonight, how to keep the blues away. Amen. Say it with me. How to keep the blues away in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
The question is often asked by many, why a blue Christmas? And why so many relate to this blueness at Christmas time? My brother's here tonight, and I know he could give you a clinical explanation for that. But I'm going to give you a pastoral explanation. <laughs> May not be quite as educated. But uh, there's a lot of factors and reasons that contribute to people's blueness, their depression, their fears, all of those things. And it seems that Christmas is a season when those things are magnified in people's lives. According to statistics, it's one of the most stressful times of the year. Many reasons for that, I'm sure. But there are many situations that affect the beauty and the spirit of this season. The holidays, for many people, is a period of depression and stress. And people, from very different reasons, feel too much tension in their life. And they feel too much pressure And other people are frustrated because they can't do everything they want to do. And some go to the extreme of even taking their life. Suicide is at an all-time high during this season of the year. Somehow, in all the busyness and chaos of life, we have forgotten one of the central truths of the Christmas message. And that was that he would bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Sometimes we forget in the hectic pace of life and the shadows of life, his words that he spoke to his disciples just before the darkening shadows of Calvary crept in. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. That was preceded by my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. While while I was thinking about this the other day, I I thought, you know, what what could I give someone this season by way of a sermon or a message that would be an antidote to these seasonal issues that often show themselves in our life. And there are times that they're magnified. There's something, I believe, that we can be reminded of tonight and there is something that we can be aware of that will alleviate stress and that will lessen our loneliness and it will chase away the blues. Not just at Christmas, but any season of life. How is it that we can keep the blues away, not only at Christmas, but any time of the year, under any circumstances of life, and in all seasons of life? And the Lord directed me to the book of Philippians, and I started looking at it and reading it from many translations, and I was mesmerized by what the word of the Lord had to say. Let me read it to you again in three different translations. Perhaps it will help you 
get a picture of where I want to go tonight, but in the the uh, CEV version uh, reads like this. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, once you've done that, then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand, and this peace will control the way you think and feel. Now let me read it from the message translation. He said, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle down on you. And it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of our life. One more. This is my favorite, the New Living Translation. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And when you have done that, then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I think I could let you go home right now. And you have enough to think about and consider. But there were four things that were magnified in my mind when I read this that I believe are the key to keeping the blues out of our life. Depression, if you want to call it that. Worry, stress, anxiety. We've, we've got a number of words that we can attach to that. But whatever it is that you call blue, uh, whether it's the bad news that you received from your doctor, or something that you saw on Facebook, or word that you got about your job that put your mind in this funk and this this way of thinking and that leads to depression and and anxiety. There, there's a solution to that for every season of life, not just at Christmas, but in the spring or the summer or fall or whatever time in life you may be in. There are four things that you and I can do that when we do them, we are guaranteed a positive outcome. Now, there's not a lot of things I can tell you in life that are guarantees. I know they gave you one with your car and with that washing machine you bought, but if you read the fine print, there are a lot of exceptions. 
I bought something new one time and they said, now this has, ha, has a lifetime warranty with it. And then in the next breath, they laid on the, on the desk and said, now this is the extended warranty. And I said, say that again. If this has lifetime warranty, what are you trying to sell me an extended warranty? He's, they said, well, if you read the fine print, there's just a whole lot that that doesn't cover. And this covers all that that doesn't cover. That's life. Life for all of us. We there, There's not a lot of guarantees, but I can give you something tonight that's guaranteed. You can leave here tonight and you can start doing these four things in your life. And I promise you that something will happen in your life that will transform your thinking. And once it transforms your thinking, it will affect your feelings. And you will drive that depression, that fear, that anxiety, that stress, that worry. It will be driven away. As a matter of fact, something more than that will happen. God said, I will stand guard and not allow it to come into your life. That's pretty awesome. Amen. You ever been around the White House? Anybody ever had a chance to go to the White House? You notice everywhere there's guards. I've watched people walk by and try to intimidate those guards. They make faces at them. They make gestures. They, they, they don't, they don't blink. All they're concerned about is that I have a responsibility to guard this gate. And if you think one minute you're going to get past me, it's going to cost you your life and a whole lot more. And so there's nobody challenges that because there's something about that sentinel there that said, you know, you might not ought to venture that direction. Now, God gave us something in his word that is just as powerful that if you'll just simply follow these four guidelines in your life, I will become that sentinel of your life. I will become that guard at the gate. And when all of these things try to make their way in, the worry, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, all of those things that make you feel like you're going to panic and and you go into a panic attack, he said, if you'll do these four things, I'll be the one that stands there and makes sure that that stuff never gets to you. That's pretty awesome, folks. As simple as that is, that's pretty incredible that God would stand guard over my life in such a way. And all I have to do is just four very simple things. Amen. You know what they are? I think you already know some of them, but I'm going to remind you. Number one, number one, he said, don't worry about anything. Now, you say, brother, you, that is literally impossible. Well, let me, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. When he said not to worry, he, he was not talking about The things that we are considering. He was saying, don't allow life. Obviously, there are concerns about life. 
I mean, when you get a bad report from the doctor, you get a pink slip on your desk, or the job market turns down and instead of giving you a raise, they want to take away from your salary in some way. That's something to be concerned about. But he said, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is don't allow life to drive you to such distraction that you're being pulled in multiple directions and you don't even know whether it's morning or evening. You don't know the difference between, as Brother Eldon says, sick them from come here. Yeah. I can get that way sometime to where we are so troubled. We are so distressed that we cannot even think clearly. We cannot even, our mind will not even process our thoughts properly. And we get this overwhelming fear and this choking sensation rises up and they call it a panic attack. And they're very real. And they're because our mind becomes so distracted. It becomes so pulled by so many different factions and warring elements in our life that we cannot keep our mind and our thoughts upon what really matters. Amen. We cannot keep our thoughts. And, and, and life is worrisome. I, I mean, I'm... I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I will tell you that it is, it is worrisome. There's a lot of things about life that, that, that are, are, are so that we feel very vulnerable to chances and changes in life. And we feel this pull on us on a daily basis and we feel the stress and that dividing of our attention and that distracting of our thoughts. And we become so overwhelmed that we cannot even think clearly. And so his first command or his first word to us is don't, don't do that. Don't let your mind become so pulled and fractured that you cannot think about the one thing that you need to be most concerned about. And that's me. I will Take care of you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God is going to take care of you. He will take care of you. That's his interest. That's his concern. So when he said, don't worry about anything, he is saying, don't seek to promote your own interest to be troubled by the cares. But worry... Cannot change your situation, but it can injure you as a person. Don't be pulled in these different, don't be afraid, don't fret. How do we do that? You say, brother, that to me is almost an impossibility. Well, he gives you the next step to take. He doesn't just say, don't worry about anything. He said, don't worry about Anything but pray about everything. Now, do I need to explain what everything means? Let me, let me just read. I, 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 I was reading some different commentaries 
And Barnes' commentary on this particular passage says about this but in everything. He said, everything means what is in reference to the supply of your wants and the wants of your families. Everything in respect to afflictions, embarrassments, trials, and everything. Everybody say everything. Everything relating to your spiritual condition. Everything. There is nothing which pertains to the body, the mind, estate, friends, conflicts, losses, trials, hopes, fears, in reference to which we may not go and spread it out before God and tell him what they are. Say it again, everything. God is concerned about everything in my life. Now, we are more inclined to take only those big things to God. But you know what I've found out about life? It's not the big things that get on my nerves. It's those little foxes that spoil the vine. It, it, those little worries and those little questions and, and, and the little concern here and the little concern there and another one here and another one there. And we don't think about taking those to God in prayer. But he said, if you want to know that where, where I can really step in and help you and become a vanguard to your life, you need to be able to talk to me about everything. Everything. Say it again, everything. I need that to sink into my mind. God is interested in my everything. He's interested in my worries over my weight, my worries over my sugar level, my worries over my heart rate, my eating. He's worried. He's concerned about those just as much. And he wants me to talk to him about those things because when I talk to him, about him, it releases him to work in my behalf. It allows him to step in and become that vanguard in my life that, that will keep that fear and that depression and that anxiety with saying, no, 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 you, 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 this, this is a no trespassing zone. Nothing is too great for you to talk to God about and nothing is too small. How many of you, well, that's a dumb question, but I'm going to ask you. You have children. Y'all have children. You've had children. You know children. You know about children. Ah, everybody's, okay. You know, it's amazing as a parent You are as concerned about the little bobo as you are about the broken bones. And when they come to you crying because they fell and scratched their knee or their elbow, you're going to kiss the hurt away because you're, you're their parent. You're their grandparent. You love them. That's what you do as a parent to your child. You help them 
whether it's a big thing or a little thing, whether it's a major ordeal or a minor scrape or it's a major cut, your concern is the same because that's your child. And God said, if you could ever get the revelation that I've tried to get you to understand about who I am, I am your father. I am the one most concerned about your well-being. I'm more concerned about your well-being than your doctor is right now. And the prescription that he's given you to help you get to a better place. I'm more concerned about where you're going than even you are concerned about where you're going. And if you'll just talk to me about it, I'll help you get there. Amen. You say, well, are you talking about a better job? We pray about it. Yeah, I'm talking about a better job. Are you talking about better living arrangements? Yeah, I'm talking about better. God is concerned for the things that concern me. That's one of the great revelations the Lord gave me. I told you this before about this growth that I had on the side of my head and it kept getting bigger. And I mean, you know, my mother's had cancer and, and I, I know my father had skin cancer at one time and I, I feel that thing and I'm praying and, and I'm worrying and my mind's distracted. And one day in that auditorium, I was walking around praying and, uh, and, and I reached up out of habit just to feel that place. And all of a sudden I thought, Lord, this is foolish. This bothers me. I, I don't know what it is. It may not be anything but a skin growth, but whatever it is, Lord, I need you to take care of it. And I forgot about it. I went on praying, and a day or two later, I was back in there praying, and out of the same habit while I'm walking around praying, I reach up to touch that, and it's gone. I have no idea when it fell off. I don't know what happened to it, but I can tell you that from that day to this, it hasn't come back. I'm just telling you that God is concerned about those little bitty things that are in your life that are worrying you right now, and you don't know how they're going to work out. He said, if you will talk to me about everything, talk to me about everything in your life, then I can do something that no one else can do for you. Praise God. One of the words that this prayer implies is worship. Not just petitions, but worship. Pray about everything. One of the most healing and helpful things that you or I can do for ourselves is to immerse ourselves in an atmosphere of worship. I'm telling you, church, if I could ever get you to really believe that, I don't care how low you are, how blue you are, how depressed you are, how overwhelmed you are, how fearful you are, how distressed, how whatever you are, driven to distraction. If you can ever get yourself to just enter into his presence and begin to worship and magnify him, there's something healing that happened. There's a bomb that begins to flow over your mind and your spirit. And what was impossible to you before you came into his presence, all of a sudden now it is cleared up and you realize, hey, that may be something to me, but that's nothing to God. And it may be a problem in my life, but it is not a problem to my God. 
That's why it's so important when this man hits the keys and we start singing and worshiping that you're not back there scanning your phone and doing all the other stuff that we do and we're distracted thinking about this. We need to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him. And when we do, there's a healing transformation that comes over our mind and our spirit. Hallelujah. When we recognize the greatness of his power, his wisdom, and his might, something happens. There's a healing bomb. I cannot tell you how many times I've come into the church feeling as low as the proverbial snake's belly. And all of a sudden, just something pulls me in the worship. And I begin to open my mouth and magnify him and I begin to exalt him and before long I feel like I'm being lifted up. There's hands underneath me that that are picking me up. Oh yeah, the psalmist was right and the writer of Deuteronomy was right. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I don't care how far you fall. You can never fall far enough that you're out of the reach of God and you can never fall far enough that God cannot put his hand around you and and steady you and say, hey, you're not going to die You're not going to be overwhelmed in this dilemma. I'm on your side. I'm with you. Talk to me about everything. Amen. Number three, tell God what you need. Need, N-E-E-D. Need, what you need. Amen. God is interested in the details of my life. God is interested. He is one person that you can tell him all the details. You don't need to tell me about them. (laughs) You don't need to tell your neighbor necessarily. But you can tell him every detail. Because God is interested in the details. And God is in the details. If you don't believe that, go read the book of Exodus and Leviticus. Numbers at when God gave them the ordinances concerning the tabernacle and every minor detail of that tabernacle was covered by God's plan and purpose. Every instrument of worship, every snuffer that was used to put out the candle and snuff out the the light so they could move to the next location. Every part of that tabernacle, there was somebody that had a responsibility. You carry this. You take this, you take care of that, because God is in the details. If you want to know about details, read the 107th Psalm and see how many times the Lord talks about the details of my life and your life. And he's concerned about them. And he wants to know about them. So rather than getting on Facebook and sharing all the details, get on your knees and share all the details. The problem is, we reverse. We think if we tell everybody the details, hey, folks, everybody can't help me. As a matter of fact, nobody can help me. You might encourage me, but you really can't help me. I mean, in the real way, I need to be helped. 
The only one that can do that is God himself, the one who created me. He's the one who can really help me. Amen. Praise God. Tell God everything. I want to tell you why there's why you ought to pray that. You ought to talk to God about everything and tell God what you need. Three things. Number one, the love of God. The encouragement to prayer should be based on the fact that God loves you. Amen. God loves you. Good, bad, ugly, warts and all. God loves me. All of my faults, all of my phobos, all my weaknesses, all of my shortcomings, all of my missteps. God loves me. And his only desire for me is what is for my good. Why wouldn't you want to talk to somebody like that? That his whole goal, his only desire is what is best for me. That's amazing. His only desire is what is best. Number two, I should pray because of the wisdom of God. Why should I talk to him? Because he knows all things. He's omniscient. He knows everything. There's not one detail of life that he misses. You may overlook the obvious. You may miss a detail here or there. But God misses nothing. He proves it when he's standing in the temple over against the treasury and he's watching them as they pass by. And all the wealthy were going by and according to some historians, they made it a practice to go by and they would take their offering and they would lift it real high and they would let it fall slowly out of their hand so that it would clang and and, and, and make a lot of noise as it fell into the pot. So everybody would say, ooh, that's a big offering. And somehow in the mix of all that, there's this little widow that only had two mites. And I dare say that when she came in, she didn't lift him up. This is my image of her. That she slips in unnoticed and she puts her hand down in, in the container and lays them so they make no noise because she's too embarrassed for anybody to know how little she's giving. But when she let go of it, Jesus stopped everything and said, Hold on, I have to teach you something right here. You guys have been watching all these wealthy rich folks come by and drop in. I want to tell you what really counts. You see what that woman just did? God is in the detail. Whether it's a small offering or a large, or it's a small issue or a large issue, God is just as concerned and his eyes are watching everything about my life. His omniscience, his all-knowing, his power to see beyond today into the future, knowing the future from the past and the past from the future about my life. That fact alone about God, his wisdom concerning my life ought to make me want to talk to him. I mean, listen, folks, how many of you have a Dell computer? How many of you have a Mac computer? That's what it really, Mac. You don't take your Mac computer to IBM or HP or... Why? Because they didn't... Now, they may know a little bit about computers. 
But they don't know the details about a Mac, and I'm just telling you, as illiterate as I am about computers, Macs are an animal all their own. And if you really want to get it worked, don't take it to the Apple store. And those guys are geniuses. You know, you know, because they know the, the internal, they know why it works the way it works. They know why the systems operate the way they do. Listen to, I know this is simple, but God is the one who made us. If anybody knows how to make me work at my optimum level and help me reach my best, it's not some Twitter feed. It is not some book that I read, but it's being in his presence and talking to him and conversing with him and telling him about my needs and telling him about my word and letting him know what concerns me. And God said, if you'll do that in my life, if you'll let me be that personal to you, I know how to make life work best for you. I can put you on top level. Your systems are operating. You don't have a lot of stuff slowing you down. I never could understand that about computers. As smart as they are, they don't know how to fix themselves. They have to go back to the originator, the creator. Amen. And God said, if you'll just let me, I know, I know I'm the one who made you. You're curiously wrought. I'm the one that did that. If you don't believe you're curiously wrought, go to the nursery. The most phenomenal thing about my first baby, Celicia, when she was born, I unwrapped her, I looked at her hands, she had fingernails, full-grown fingernails. I don't know what I was thinking in my mind. Maybe I thought they kind of evolved as she got a little older. I was that naive about children. You say, well, what in the world were you doing having kids? I don't know. I just know this. Looked at that wonderful creation and I saw all the heart beating and I saw the lungs moving and I realized how coordinated everything was and the blood pumped out and the blood coming in and all of the movements of her body and it made me glorify God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and he knew me in my mother's womb before I ever came into this world. Why would anybody be afraid to talk to God? I need to talk to him because he knows everything. Amen. Google does not know everything. They don't. It doesn't. But he does. Amen. He knows everything. And so he alone... He alone knows what's best for me. Number one, he loves me. And so his desire, his one desire is to do the best for me. Number two, he knows everything about me. And his desire is to make it work at its best. Number three, the power of God. And this is what you need to understand about the omnipotence of God. The all His omnipotence works out of His omniscience. The fact that He knows everything 
His power works out of that all-knowing. So he knows the right thing to do for me. He knows the thing not to do in my life. He knows the thing that would hurt me. And so he doesn't do that. He does what will be for my good. And because he loves me and he is an all-knowing God, I can trust him so that whatever happens in my life, God knows how to make it work for my good. Isn't that amazing? That no matter what happens in my life, God knows how to make it work for my good. He will make it work for my good. Because He loves me. Because He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the... He knows every detail about my life. And because He knows, He knows the right thing to do. And when no one else can... He can. Amen. That's why you should never be afraid to tell God all of your needs. Amen. He's not, he's not embarrassed by that. Tell Him what your needs are. Number four, thank Him for all that He's done. Four simple things. Let's go back over them real quick. Number one, don't worry about anything. Don't let anything pull you in different directions and distract your life to where you cannot look to the right thing. And the way you keep that from happening is to pray about everything. And then tell God what you need. And then before. Thank Him in all He has done. When we really believe that God is working all things for our good, we are grateful for such care over our life. Amen. Not just thinking it. Somebody said, well, I'm, I'm thankful. It's not just something that resides up here or in here. The word in the Greek indicates something that is verbally spoken. You need to open your mouth and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you that I have a Ford. I may want a Bentley, but I've got a Ford. Thank you for a Ford. Thank you that I've got a house. It may not be the Taj Mahal, but thank you that I've got a roof over my head. I wasn't dodging raindrops last night. I didn't have to keep the bats out or the dogs away. My door's closed and it locked safe. Thank you that I have clothes on my back. Thank you that I had food on my table. Or I had enough money in my bank account to go buy Taco Bell and grab me a taco before I came to church. Thank you that I had money to go buy McDonald's and buy a sweet tea today or an unsweet tea or Diet Dr. Pepper or whatever. You ought to stop every once in a while and just thank God for the common stuff in your life that he allows to come in and flow through your life on a daily basis. We get so bent out of shape because we don't get a Starbucks every day. And yet, we had water that was clean enough to drink that came out of our tap where 90% of the world doesn't even have that luxury, probably. 
Yeah. We had electricity that stayed on all night. It kept us warm or cool, whichever we needed. We didn't have to worry about rolling blackouts or we didn't have to worry about whether the generators were going to stay up and we didn't have to worry about what many of the socialist countries in the world are. You can't even buy basic staples, eggs, bacon, milk, uh, bread, those basic things you can't even find on the shelves of the major stores in socialist countries right now. And yet some of us walk down the aisle and if we can't get the certain piece of bread or we can't get the certain thing that we want to eat, we feel like we've been so cheated. You need to back up and say, you know what, God, I want to thank you that I have generic brand bread, that I have generic brand soap, that I have generic. I don't have Louis Vuitton. I don't have whatever else, but I got a purse to put my stuff in. I got a wallet to put my money in. I've got something to put my shoe, my feet in. I've got shoes to put Put on my feet that the great majority of the world doesn't even have. And we have multiple pairs of them. Some people have to have a special closet designed just for their shoes. I'm not saying anybody here. I don't know. But I know this much. We've got an awful lot to be thankful for. And I figured this out about God. If I would spend a lot more time thanking him than complaining, he's more inclined to bless me with more and better and do things that he wants to do in my life. And if I will actively not just think it, but say it out loud, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I had something to eat today. Thank you that I had a meal this morning. Thank you that I had something before I came to church. Thank you that I had a car to drive when I came to the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. God said, if you'll do those four things, then, let me go back and read it to you. He said, then, because you belong to me, God will bless you with peace so that no one can completely ever understand how you are where you are and why you are the way you are. The result of these four simple things is peace, an exemption from war, havoc, rage, torment, trouble, upheaval, the presence of harmony, security, safety, When my fears are channeled in the right direction, and that's in prayer, then God releases power in my life that becomes a protector of my life. The word that he uses here for peace that passeth all understanding. He said, I will guard you. How does it go? Let's read it again so you you get a full picture of it. He said, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts. That's a military term that refers to what I spoke of earlier about a guard who stands sentinel, watching and protecting and preventing anything from coming in that's not supposed to come in. And when I... Don't allow life to pull me in a hundred different directions and I become so stressed and, and, and frazzled and I, 
and, and I pray about everything and I talk to him about my needs and I thank him for all that he's done. God said, you release me to become your protector. And he said, I will keep you in perfect peace. Wow. I'm, let's stand. I'm closing. Peace that will stand guard like a sentinel over my life and keep the enemy at bay. And he said, this passeth all understanding. That doesn't mean that peace is such a mystery that we cannot understand it. It means that peace is so precious that man with all his skill and all his knowledge can never produce this. Only God can do it. Want to keep the blues away? Amen. Start singing about the joy of the Lord. Amen. You want to start singing about the great blessings of this season instead of worrying about all the stuff that comes along this time of year. He said, if you'll just if you'll just not let life pull you in, in, in these directions. And, and, and the way you keep that is, is pray about everything. Talk to me about everything. And tell me what you need. This concerns me, God. This, this really bothers me. God said, that's all I need. I can take it from there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. The things I didn't even understand, Lord. The things that I could not see any good coming of. I want to thank you that in your wisdom and in your omniscience, you worked all those things to good. You made them work for me. The devil meant it for evil. But you... Meant it for good. It's a weaver's term. It means that what the world was trying to use to weave a garment of depression and fear and anxiety, God takes that same thread and he weaves a garment of praise and said, here, this is better than a spirit of heaviness. Amen. And when you do that, God said, I'm going to stand guard over your life. And when those things try to come in, oh, no, 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 no. You, you can't. And as a matter of fact, I believe it will become such that even when the enemy steps up and sees who's on guard, he's just going to turn around and walk away and go somewhere else. Amen. Anything bothering you tonight? Why don't you just start doing these four things? Pull the reins of your mind and say, no, you're going to be channeling one thing. The Lord is on his throne. Look, can I read one more verse of scripture? Psalm chapter 11. This came to me this afternoon. Psalm chapter 11. And verse number three says, if the foundation be destroyed, if truth is destroyed, if what is right is torn down. What can the righteous do? 
If what is good is torn down and destroyed, what can the righteous do? He doesn't answer his question. He just makes a statement. And this is what he says in the next verse. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. What does that mean? That means that when everything around me is shaking, there's one place I can direct my thoughts and my attention that's not being shaken by what's shaking in my world. And that's him, his throne is unmoving. It's where it's always been. Hallelujah. And he still occupies it tonight. And so when my world is being shaken by all kinds of distress and fear and doubt, I just need to lift my eyes and look beyond the hills and look to the God who sits on the throne, the one who cannot be moved, and remember that he's for me. And he loves me. He made me. And he knows what's best for me. Would you lift your voice to the Lord right now? Let's just thank him together. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. 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 Amen, 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 amen. I'm, I'm going to tell you how to chase the blues out of your Christmas. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Amen. Don't let the little stuff get you down talk to him about everything tell him what you need and give him thanks for everything and watch God release something in your life that becomes a preventative an antidote a vaccine amen you can be in the in the, in the midst of sickness and trouble and not be distressed by any of it. Because God's put a wall about you. Amen. I'm thankful for that, that protection of the Almighty. He loves me. Everybody say, He loves me. He does. He loves me. Not only does He love me, He knows everything about me. I'm not afraid of that. I'm thankful that he knows all that stuff. Because now that he knows everything about me, his power is sufficient to do everything that's needed to help me be the best that I can be. Amen. Amen. I'm not having a blue Christmas. Amen. It's going to be jingle bells all the way. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh yes. Praise God. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be just funny tonight, but some of us need to realize that, that God is really working in our life, even in some of this stuff we can't understand. And if we'll just let God work it out, He'll make it work for our good. And we'll look back at it and say, God, I don't know how you did that, but I'm so glad you did. Amen. Take your hands off of it. Get out of it. Leave it to God. God will take care of it. In Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God wants to help you keep the blues out of your life. Amen.
Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.